Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Navy Federal. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals a priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, <laughs> a.k.a. Kevin O'Carmelo, a.k.a. Can you hear me, Kevin? My equipment has gone down. We're having to record this podcast like it's the 1980s. Verno, you're sounding a lot different this week, that's for sure. <laughs> Hopefully better. Maybe, Maybe for the people that hate me. It will disguise my voice enough that they'll think it's somebody different. Hmm, who is that? Who is this? I have not used a tin can and a string in a long time, so this is going to be great. <laughs> is that what you used when you first got hired down in Memphis, Chris? Is that the way they did it down there? Actually, my first uh, – this is a true story. Years ago, I left a radio station and went to a radio station that told me they were going to start up, right? We started from ground zero. At that point, we had no studio. And I recorded from a trailer in West Memphis, Arkansas, that was next to a radio tower. There wasn't even a parking lot. I had to drive into a field, and there were horses fornicating (laughs) outside the window. What? I'm not kidding. Okay. When I asked that question, I was not expecting there to be like a real actual story in response. Listen, I listen. I I don't know. I don't know about all this Drake crap, but I started from the bottom. Yeah, that's where I started. (laughs) Unless Drake can tell me he was recording his first album outside a window and there was a uh, horses fornicating outside a window he ain't got nothing on me <laughs> all right you should do a rewrite of that song now chris for this week's nba desktop oh yeah right watch this for a professional segue you ready <laughs> okay speaking of the bottom the washington <laughs> wizards are falling apart <laughs> um I told you a couple of weeks ago, Kev, oh, that, that I saw that the Wizards great. in person, and they can't stand each other. Like, they uh, really can't. They cannot stand each other. And they're 5-11. and 11. They're giving up 117 points a game. And now they have the report coming out that John Wall yelled at Scott Brooks. And in addition to John Wall yelling at Scott Brooks, um, Ernie Grunfeld is probably maybe willing to trade literally anybody on the roster. Uh, You kind of wrote about this in conjunction with the Pelicans as a team that could make a bold move. But first things first, who would you want on the Wizards? Is it Brad Beal and then (laughs) who else? Um. Yeah, there's not a lot on the roster that you would that you would want to trade a lot for. I think Bradley Beal obviously is the number one asset on the Washington Wizards. Um. Beyond that, I guess it really depends on your feelings on Otto Porter. Uh, it depends on how you project John Wall moving forward. But you might even put some of those role players um, ahead of those guys in terms of players that you would value to uh, to trade for from that team. Look, Washington's in a tough spot, man. I don't, I don't really care about the practice stuff. 
Like that happens. We talked about this last week in regards to the Warriors. It happens. It's just, it's just something that happens. It's just been reported lately with those two teams. Um, but you know, in terms of the team itself, they need they do need to make some changes here. Whether it's trading one of John Wall or Bradley Beal, um, or flipping Otto Porter for a number of other pieces, something needs to change for this team. Uh, it, it's really just a matter of I think what you can get back because I'm not sure what the value is for John Wall. Um, it's obviously good value for Bradley Beal, and I'm not sure what the value is for Otto Porter either because he's getting paid quite a lot too. Okay, let's start with the. Porter, because you mentioned him as a possibility with Pelicans, right? Yeah, I've heard Pelicans have some interest in him. That was prior to that news breaking. I would imagine more teams would be interested at this point. Okay, more teams might be interested, but when you were putting together, if I've got this right, it said Solomon Hill, Julius Randle, first rounder? To be clear, like that's just me putting numbers together, right? Because they would need to add up to around $20 million in order to take on Porter's salary, right? So you need to include over $20 million. And how do you get there? Solomon Hill's $12.5 million contract with a, a number around $8 million. That could be a combination of players. It could be two players or one player. And then maybe a first-round pick. I don't know exactly what it would take, but I do think for a guy like Porter, who is a rare two-way player, he's struggling this year, but Porter is good defensively, versatile, and over the past two and a half years, he's been excellent shooting threes. So I think a guy like that would demand a first-round pick in the deal. Yeah. That trade is horrible. Randall is better than Porter. I disagree. What? I think we're underrating Otto Porter. In what world is Julius Randle not better than Otto Porter? In a world where two-way wings and forwards are are tough to find, which is the world we live in. Otto Porter makes $27 million. Yes. What? Yes. Yes. Okay, if you're factoring in money, if you're looking at this in a vacuum, yes, maybe you would rather have Julius Randle at $9 million. Yeah, maybe you would. However, for the New Orleans Pelicans... They're a team that's on the playoff bubble with Anthony Davis. Has, Anthony Davis can become a free agent in the, the year 2020, and you need to improve your team. So he's willing to sign the most expen- the, the wealthiest contract extension in league history. Five years, $235 million. You need to convince that guy to stay. And so you need to make additions. I'd rather have Julius Randle at the same price. Yeah, yeah, but it's about what you need. And what they need is a forward. They need a three. They need a four. Someone who can play defense, who can who can space the floor, who can hit threes. That's what they need. Julius Randle is a good player, and he's been good for them this year. But Otto Porter, again, like well, I said, it doesn't, need, it doesn't even need to be Randle. Like, you can figure out the deal All with right. Wesley Johnson well, and then plus another contract. But that gets a little bit more complicated. Well, Julius Randle had a triple-double last night, and Otto Porter's next triple-double will be the first one of his life. Uh, Otto Porter has really struggled this year. He's been benched in a lot of fourth quarters uh, behind Jeff Green and behind Kelly Oubre. He just hasn't been good this year. And it may maybe, to your point, Chris, to your point, maybe you don't need to give up a Julius Randle. Maybe you instead give up uh, Solomon Hill, uh Wesley Johnson and then a salary filler. Maybe that's I wouldn't give up I, I wouldn't even give up a first round pick in a deal to get Otto Porter. Not for twenty seven million. Look, I think his contract stinks. I wouldn't feel good about it either. I'm I'm just saying maybe you probably do have to give at least one thing of value up in the trade if you're giving Solomon Hill's contract. It would be another thing if Solomon Hill were an expiring deal. No. Like, look, put All it right. this way, it's really hard to figure out the value of some of these Wizards players. Because I think if we talked about Otto Porter this summer, 
the conversation would have been a little bit different. I'm still not a huge fan of him, but there's no denying his two-way ability. The poison, there is denying it. And the poison <laughs> pill is really wall. There is denying yeah. it, by the way. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, if you want to have a conversation about defense, we can. But, I mean, what he's doing offensively is, I mean, that's less than replacement level at this point yeah, right now. Right now it and is. Can make, the, the, we can make right every excuse in the world for him, but the guy stinks so far. Uh, Wall is the poison pill. 38 million, 41 million, 44 yeah. million, 47 million <laughs> in the last year. If it, I, I honestly think if it's not Phoenix – who has desperately just wanted somebody, I do wonder if there is another suitor for him. I could see Phoenix throwing together some of their young pieces that may not all fit together and and, and, and Ryan Anderson's contract and a couple other things and may being able to attain Wall. Because uh, like you say, they always get meetings, but they never get players. You know, this would be a way for, yes, he's overpriced, but it would be a way to attain one of the better players in the league. Um, even if he is, like I say, on a bad deal, you know, and and you're trying to win. I don't know. What do you think? I wouldn't trade for John Wall if I were the Phoenix Suns. I think you have an, a solid young roster. You're about to have another high draft pick and cap space coming up. Make your team appealing, and then you can go out and get the guy that actually helps your team win. If I'm the Phoenix Suns, I would not trade for John Wall. I think if I were the Pelicans, again, you know, within the context of what I just said, you need to convince Anthony Davis to sign that five-year max deal. You need to convince him to stay around. You need him to feel that there's hope and a chance to win. If you're the Pelicans, on the other hand, maybe you trade for John Wall um, because of his diminished value and the fact, you know what, maybe an Alvin Gentry system, fast, you know, lot of lot lot of transition offense. John Wall loves playing in transition. He's never played with a player as great as Anthony Davis. Maybe that could work out. Um, but if I were the Phoenix Suns, no, I wouldn't. But Pelicans, I'd think about it. Speaking of Wall, based on the current estimates, three players in the league will make more than him in 2019-2020, if I have this right. Harden will make the same, because it's the same Supermax. The other three players are Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, he is paid like a megastar. But he's not. I don't know. There's only three players in the whole damn league that are going to get paid more money than him. So that's it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you find a deal for him. So what ends up happening with the Wizards? How does this come to a head, Kev? I don't know, man. I I think Washington makes one move. I, honestly, I'm I'm almost more intrigued from like the New Orleans angle because I think they have to take a risk somewhere. And like I would love for them to get a Bradley Beal. I think he fits perfectly next to Drew Holiday. I just don't think they have the assets to get that done. I think if Washington were to deal Beal, they would get a pretty good return. Um but I'm I'm not sure if you're Washington you even want to do that. Beal's only 25. He's a guy to build around. I, I think uh, the priority needs to be figuring out what you can get for John Wall, and maybe New Orleans just makes sense to take that ultimate risk with the hopes of keeping Anthony Davis. Well, and then if Davis even does fly the coop, at least you still got a draw. Mm. You right. know what I mean? I, I, a- I, unless, unless like the it actually makes more sense to trade AD than have John Wall without AD. Well, no, I mean, at least he's still a player on your roster. Yeah. They don't have anything else worth going to the games to see. John yeah, Wall has been an all-star. I know, that, and that's part of right. the equation too, right? You talk about Beal and what a good fit he would be there. I saw Bobby Marks tweeting this earlier. You know the irony in all of this? 
is, you know who would be perfect with New Orleans right now and Anthony Davis? Buddy Heald. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and, I know. And, right? I mean, they made the Cousins deal, and they took the risk. But, I mean, Buddy Heald would have been. Like, they, that was the theory when they drafted Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm is that he would be a perfect outside complement to Davis. And now seeing as Buddy Heald has taken a massive leap in year three, there's no doubt about that. He really would. He'd be perfect with Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, that Cousins deal was a risk worth taking. But yeah, Buddy Buddy now in year three, he's developed quite nicely. And, and like you said, Chris, this is exactly how New Orleans would have imagined it to be. Just didn't work out. It's unfortunate. Let me tell you this. Last Friday... Uh, the Pelicans were in town to play against the Grizzlies, and they canceled their shoot-around before the game in the morning. So they weren't going to have a shoot-around, right? And somebody from the Grizzlies was downstairs, and they were working out, just out on the court, and they said Buddy Heald was there without team for over an hour and a half just working out by himself. That's why I love Buddy in the draft, right? Every, I everything I heard yep. about him was his work ethic, and that no matter what he would turn into as a player, you knew he would maximize it. Like whatever his potential was, you knew he would get there, um, well, and he's on his way. Well, and I love stories like that, right? Yeah, there's a guy. Great. You know, they canceled shoot around. There's nobody else there. He's out there by himself for an hour and a half uh, or more, just practicing. And it's obviously played dividends. He's made a big third-year leap. You know, some guys, it's the third year. You know, we talk about the second-year leap so much. Sometimes it's the third year. There's other guys. You know, Sabonis has done it, too. Um, Who else would be third-year? Levert, he was doing it before he had the injury. Um, You know, so sometimes it's the third-year leap that guys make, and he'll, golly, he'd be perfect with New Orleans right now. Uh, Anyway, let's move on to... Interestingly enough, Buddy Heald's team. Things have been going so well for the Sacramento Kings. And then the story leaks about Dave Yeager. Now, since they have said um, that everything's okay with Dave Yeager, of course, Lottie Divac has given him the vote of confidence not once but twice already. Uh, but the, the gist of the story was that there was an argument over player development. And it really, the crux of it is that they start Bielita and that Marvin Bagley uh, is not playing as many minutes as I guess some people in the front office would want him to. I, I cannot help that this is just a massive reflection of how well everybody else in the top five is doing, you know, because they're getting minutes, right? So Ayton and Jaron Jackson and Doncic and Trey Young, they're putting up big numbers and they're playing big minutes. And Bagley is not playing big minutes, and so I suppose it is Brandon Williams, um, it seems, is responsible as the member of the front office uh, for the Bagley stuff. And so the idea would be, hey, if my guy were playing big minutes, he'd be putting up numbers like these other guys, and I don't want to look like an idiot here. <laughs> and so, but, but it, and so that's the kind of stuff that happens in front offices all the time. What does not happen is that kind of conversation getting leaked to the public, which is, that's the catastrophe of all of it, because things have been going so yep. well for Sacramento. Absolutely, right? Like, if it, if it weren't for that story, right? If it weren't for that, you'd be looking at this team like, oh my goodness, Sacramento Kings are 9-8. and eight. De'Aaron Fox 
Is he a candidate for most improved player of the year? I mean, the way he's improved this season has been remarkable. Even, even in last night's game, Chris, Kings beat the Thunder, who have been really hot, 117 to 113. It was Fox's first game of the year where he couldn't buy a bucket at all. But he still made a positive overall impact uh, with his passing. And he had some just spectacular passes down the stretch of that game, creating shots for his teammates. He was truly amazing. Um I know Marvin Bagley also had an impressive game. He's been pretty solid as of late for the Kings. So things are moving in a positive direction for Sacramento, and yet there's still little hiccups. Um, yeah, yeah. You I know mean, who? Whoever it was in their front office that had been promoting Bagley last night was able to say, "See, see what happens. He gets a block <laughs> on Adams. He has a monster game, and it's like, see, just put him out there." And in, and in fairness, he's better than Bealita. He just is. He is. Did you so, see the play he had last night where he blocked a shot and then he took the ball in transition, made a pass, eventually got the ball back and dunked it in? It was just a nice little that was that's Marvin Bagley. Like that's what you got him for. Um, is for that those that ability to block shots, then take the ball and transition himself, and then finish with athleticism. He showed showed a lot of his skill in one one single sequence. Well, and I got to see Doncic in person last night for the first time, and he is super impressive to see in person. I missed his first six shots of the game. It was not his best game, though I believe it was his first double-double of the entire year. A couple of things stood out. Number one, he has the ball all the time, Kev. He really does. <laughs> like, almost every offensive set feels like they run through him. Um, well, cause you know, Smith is not exactly a run the team type of guy. And in the absence of JJ Barea, they were playing Jalen Brunson big minutes last night. But the other thing about Doncic is he is bigger, I think in person than I necessarily thought, um, watching him on television. And the other thing is I watch him and I see, I don't, you know, it's hard to say a fully formed player as a rookie, but there's a lot of guys that you see that are young. You know, you'll see a Jonathan Isaac come in or like I'm seeing Jaron Jackson all the time or whoever. And you go, my God, what are those guys going to be in two to three years? Like Doncic is already like, I don't know how high the ceiling is. And I don't mean this as a demerit. I mean, He's already like a professional basketball player who, yeah, he's going to figure out more about the NBA, but like, he's already awesome. He really is. Yeah. He's already awesome. And I, and I wonder how much better he's going to get from here. I know that sounds crazy with a 19 year old, but some guys just mature really fast. And I wonder if his leap was taken already a couple of years ago. We just missed it because it was overseas. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's like that that great civil conversation we had back around draft season. We talked about how Luka Doncic has, has been playing professional basketball for years. How he won MVP and led his team to a championship overseas because he's been playing professional basketball for years now. Um, so yeah, Luka is naturally a little bit ahead of the curve um, than other young players who have been playing against pipsqueak high schoolers and college players. Luka Doncic has been playing against men, and it's been an easier transition for him for that reason. Um, well, it also, it reminds you of a college senior sometimes, right? Where you see them, like Malcolm Brogdon was already good when he got to the NBA. And Toreen Prince, right, as a rookie, he's getting playoff minutes for that Hawks team. Um, he's already good. Like, I mean, they're already grown up, it feels like when they get to the NBA. And so you wonder what their ceiling necessarily is. His ceiling is really high, Chris. It's way higher than I, that. I mean, I, I don't know. 
I really don't. I don't know what the ceiling is, but at the he's already awesome, Kev, is what I'm saying. I mean, this is not to say, right? Like, this is not to say, like, uh, that, that, like, there was anything but an amazing move that the Mavericks made. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of his. I mean, for goodness sakes, he was in my nine players that won't suck, and I feel great about that. He ain't going to suck. No, I promise. That, <laughs> because he was already awesome. I think the ceiling for him, I mean, you mentioned how he touches the ball a lot, and that's true. He, he averages more front court touches than any other rookie in the league. Um, he averages uh, less time of possession only than Trey Young and Colin Sexton. So he's touching the ball a lot. I think he can handle it even more, man. I, I'd like to see even more offense run through him. Only 4.1 assists per game for Luka. I, I think his playmaking ability is potentially transcendent. I think he can be one of the game's top playmakers. And right now he's in a uh, situation sharing the ball. I'd like to see him dominate it even a little bit more. Uh, I think he's capable of playmaking at an even higher level than he already has so far. And his scoring should only get better over time. Right now, you know, he's obviously, you know, wowed everybody with that step back jumper. You know, he had that play last week against Rudy Gobert where he offensively rebounded it and he faked it twice to create space for the layup. That's why with Luka, I was never overly concerned about the quote-unquote lack of athleticism, which was always overblown. But because he is such a quirky little player who has all these little fakes and his footwork is unbelievable, his ability to stop and go, all of that's already at a high level for him at 19. And over time, as he develops more and more moves, he's going to get even better. As he gets stronger, he's going to get even better. As he gets in better basketball shape, going to get even better. Everything about Luka is going to improve over time. He's, uh, he's, he's a, unbelievable. He's not a great. He's not a great athlete, Kev. He's, he's not. not. He's not. not a great athlete, but he's a good athlete. You don't need yeah, to be a well, great he athlete. See, he got his lunch money taken by Kyle Anderson with the game on the line. I know that. Mm. And Kyle Anderson is uh, he's slower than you. Yeah, um, Kyle Anderson is one of the best nicknames in sports. Slow mo. There's no doubt about it. Slow-mo. Hey, listen, and 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 I and I, listen. I'm I'm giving Luca and the Mavs even a pass. I mean, they're playing against the best team in the Western Conference. What are you going to do? <laughs> ah, go let's Grizzlies! Go. Yeah, woo! Let's go, go let's Grizzlies! Go. Act like I'm not living this up while yeah. I can. I <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Well, how long is it going to go? Is it going to go through Did- the rest of the week? Is it going to go? The, the defense year? is real. Yeah, like, that's real. In a, in a, it has worked out exactly yeah. like they wanted it to, which is in a league where everybody is trying to fly up and down and match scoring. They've just decided we're going to be the team that plays you in the 90s. And everybody is made wildly uncomfortable in one-off games. They just are. I mean, I'm seeing it, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating when a team takes all 24 seconds to use a shot clock. It's frustrating when they beat you back on defense and set up their defense. And what's the most frustrating is Mark Gasol and Jaron Jackson standing in front of the basket. <laughs> there's nowhere to go. I mean, you wanna, if Jackson is a friggin' condor, and so there's just nowhere, you know. And, and Mark Gasol is at absolute peak of powers. He's leading the entire league in real plus minus and is playing like the Mark Gasol that won defensive player of the year and was a was a NBA all-star. So I'm living it up while I can, Kev. Get on board. 
I'm on board. Their their defense right. is definitely for real, and it's the right decision. It's the right decision to play slow this season, according to Unpredictable.com. Their average possession time on offense is 16.1 seconds, which is last in the league, um, right behind the Spurs, who log it at 15.3. So quite a big difference between 29 and 30th um, with Memphis. So they're making the right call to slow the game down play at a slower pace, you know, minimize the amount of possessions. I, I, I had a I had a conversation with an executive before the season about, or actually I think it was during preseason or beginning of the season, one of the two. I had a conversation with an executive about the faster pace, and he's like, with more possessions, there's a higher chance that the better team wins games, right? Because there's more possessions for them to prove themselves as the better team. Um, for Memphis, by minimizing possessions, I think they're maximizing on their defensive ability. And they're mi- minimizing the, the the risk over time of a superior offensive opponent being able to prove themselves with more possessions. If that makes any sense, I feel like I'm explaining this very poorly. Um, no, you're you're explaining it very well. You listen. You, uh, this is exactly this was exactly my theory with the Warriors and the Rockets or whoever they were playing last year. Right. The the, the more possessions, the more time they have to expose that they've got the better talent. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the way it is. You know what I mean? Like the the more possessions you play, the more times they're going to be able to get where they want to, and that's exactly what they want is to run up and down. So you keep those possessions low, and 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 these teams they do get frustrated. They get frustrated. It's not as fun having to play a you run a play, we run a play type basketball game. They it's a lot more fun to score 128. Right and race up and down the court and get to the basket whenever you want to and make a lot of uncontested layups. Uh, and when you run up a team that's not going to let you have that, um, and, and I think people are being reminded, Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol are two of the best players in in the NBA. They just are, and people forgot. And now that they're both healthy, I have some bad news though, Chris. If the Clippers or Blazers win tonight, the Grizzlies will no longer have the number one record in the Western Conference. I'm sorry. So it could only last one day. You know what's really funny is you look at the Western Conference. What is, what is, uh, what is it, like a two-game difference between like first and eighth? I think right now, I think the Lakers are in eighth. Is it two games? Yeah, and I think it's only four and a half games between one and 14. <laughs> Whereas where in the East, it's like there's like nine good teams, and that's it. I know it. Whereas the, the Western Conference, I mean, I don't think the, you're going to. Golden State will hit a run and they'll pull away from everybody, especially after they get Curry back. And after that, I do think you could get a scenario just like last year's, where parity reigns supreme, and you're talking a one or two game flip is going to change your seed. I mean, you remember last year we got to the end and Minnesota's playing Denver in the last game to see who gets to the playoffs, and Portland was the three seed last year. I mean, it's going to be a one or two game margin between these teams all bunched up. Um, Probably from three all the way through 12, maybe. Seriously. This is why I, I hate these conferences. It's like Memphis is more East than Chicago and Milwaukee. New Orleans is an eastern team <laughs> like you like if you're talking about straight up location these teams are on the east coast i mean at least towards the closer to the east than they are the west um i just wish conferences could be eliminated and we could have the true 16 best teams in the playoffs instead of some of these good teams getting shorted in favor of these crap eastern conference teams that really have no business being in the playoffs 
the logo Jerry West once tried to petition that to happen when he was uh, president of the Grizzlies. Um, tried to get him moved to the Eastern Conference. And he's on the basketball, for goodness sakes, and he couldn't get it done. So you can forget about that. And New, I mean, and and New that Orleans was, used to be in the East. <laughs> and then they went to the West. Listen, the Grizzlies, this is when he was general manager. They won 50 friggin' games, and they were the eight seed. <laughs> One of those years in the early 2000s. It's bananas. Can you imagine if New Orleans were in the East now? Like the conversation about Anthony Davis and the Pelicans, I'd be like, oh, are they, can they make the finals? <laughs> Instead of the West, it's, it's can they make the playoffs? I know. It's bananas. Yeah. Uh, Kemba Walker is on absolute fire. Now, here's a guy that's in a contract year. We've seen him drop over 100 points in the last two games. Um, and he has something very interesting he's playing for. And that's something interesting, Kevin, is $221 million. <laughs> if if Kemba Walker makes an all-NBA first, second, or third team, he's eligible for that Supermax, which is 221 He's been playing on a four-year, $48 million deal, which has been an amazing deal for Charlotte. Um for certain he's been one of the great bargains in the league but what happens now going forward with uh Kemba Walker I think we thought that maybe he was a possible you know movement candidate even though he has expressed he wants to stay in Charlotte he is killing it and the price of Kemba Walker seemingly goes up every single week in terms of what he'll be able to net in the offseason I'll tell you what about Kemba I think right now, 29.6 points per game. That's probably not sustainable with his efficiency. Uh, 60.6 true suitoring percentage. But if that dips even just a little bit, I still think he's going to put up like 27 points per game. I still think it's going to be a career best season for Kemba Walker entering free agency. And I do think that could be good enough if Charlotte continues playing fairly well for him to be an all-NBA candidate. And then that makes for a very, very, very interesting discussion entering the summer because Kemba's going to want that money, you would think, right? Um, I wonder if Charlotte would haggle, though, because uh, I still wouldn't feel great about giving Kemba that contract as much as I like him. Uh, he'll be 29 next season, five-year max contract, that price. I'm not quite sure he's worth that. I wonder if that's what would lead him to potentially leaving, where it's like, really, you're just not going to pay me. Um, I'll go elsewhere. But that could be a petty move as well. Ultimately, I think Kemba stays in Charlotte. Um, but that potential all-NBA candidacy leading to that full five-year Supermax is an interesting wrinkle in the conversation. Well, he's because he's clearly been one of the best guards in the entire NBA. And when you're dangling that carrot out there, if you make an all-NBA first, second, or third team, you're eligible for that Supermax. I mean, I just don't think that we considered that he would be eligible for a Supermax. But here we are. And certainly through the first fifth of the season, there's no question he's, you know, all NBA team. Oh yeah, no question about it. And that could change over time. His scoring efficiency will drop at some point, but uh, he's still putting up a higher volume of shots. Uh, 21.6 field goal attempts per game. If he maintains that career high, um, getting over 20 shots per game, he's going to put up around 27, 28 points, just not 30. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the team that has been hottest since we last spoke and also the team that has really cooled off back after these words. 
Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. And Hotel Tonight has partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing hotel deals, you've got to try Hotel Tonight. Forget scrolling through never-ending lists. Hotel Tonight shows you a select list of incredible deals at cool hotels they think you'll love. And they even give you short profiles of each hotel, complete with all the info you need and pictures of what the rooms really look like. Plus, even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can also book in advance. Perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and more. I've used Hotel Tonight many times on many different road trips. It's absolutely great. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. The Mismatch is also brought to you by 99designs. What do Carmelo Anthony, Matthew Dallavadova, DraftKings, The New York Times, best-selling author Tim Ferriss, The Ringer, and nearly half a million entrepreneurs and businesses have in common? They all use 99designs to get their custom design created for their brands, websites, and books. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by 99designs, the global creative platform that makes it easy for designers and clients to work together. From logos and apps to product packaging and books, 99 99designs is your go-to design resource for any budget. We recently used 99designs to design some of the custom merch for The Ringer, and we've got to say the quality was amazing. You can check out the new merch designs at 99designs.com forward slash NBA. Best of all, right now you can receive a free $99 upgrade on your first design contest. Just head to 99designs.com forward slash NBA and click on the link. That's 99designs.com forward slash NBA. 99 Designs. It's where creativity meets possibility. All right, Kevin. So since we last spoke, a couple different things have happened. Let's first start with the team that has gotten very hot. And despite them losing last night, Oklahoma City was the hottest team in the league going into their game against Sacramento last night. And this despite having to play several games without Russell Westbrook. Paul George's numbers over the course of the last six, seven games have been absolutely off the meter. Um, it was like vintage Pacers, Paul George. What do you think's happened with Oklahoma City in terms of riding the ship? The easy answer is they started playing great defense, but is there more to it? I think it, it does come down to defense. Uh, Hamadou Diallo has been really, really nice for them, putting him into the starting lineup um, for Oklahoma City. Last night against Sacramento, granted it was a loss. It was one of his better overall games on the offensive end, too. Uh, seven, seven for seven for 18 points. Um, he's done a nice job filling in for Andre Robertson, who was critical to their defense the past few seasons. Jeremy Grant as well played quite well. They're getting two-way contributions from a number of different guys. I think that's obviously important for them. But it's like you said, Chris, it comes down to the stars. Russell Westbrook and Paul George have been playing incredibly well until really last night where George sputtered uh, against the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, and so then they are the hottest team. The coldest team, it's been Denver. They have taken a massive step backwards. They were the talk of the town. They were second in the West. Um, but they're 1-6 in six in their last seven games, and that one win is Atlanta. So at the beginning of the season, it was the, the MO on Denver is that they have not been a good defensive team. And Mike Malone said, well, 
if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's the definition of insanity. So now we are going to be committed to the defensive end. But as of late, it feels like they're starting to they're starting to fall back into the Denver team that is not <laughs> extremely difficult to score against. And uh, obviously, the numbers have gone down. Now, in fairness to them, over that stretch where they started off, what was it? I think nine and two. And now they nine are. And they were nine and one. Nine and one. Nine, okay. nine and so, one. Yeah, they, okay. they, they beat Boston on November 5th, nine and one. And then since then, lost to Memphis, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Houston, New Orleans, Milwaukee. And then obviously beat Atlanta, like you said. Yeah. I mean, I, not bad loss. The, the Brooklyn at home, um, the Brooklyn at home is, is pretty bad. But I mean, and, yeah, they, I mean, it's home games. So that's what's surprising. These about are the teams it. you need to beat, though. Like, you can't lose all yeah, these yeah, games but, against playoff teams. No, no, I mean, losing to Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Houston three games in a row in Denver. And by the way, that Milwaukee game was the perfect setup for them to win. Milwaukee had just played uh, the night before in Los Angeles, and they were also on a long road trip, and that was their last game of a long road trip. So for Milwaukee to go in there and beat them, I mean, that was a prime spot for them to get a win. That one is a little shocking to me that they lost that one. Um, But anyways, so what is it? Is it just going to be somewhere in the middle? Whereas, yeah, they have corrected that they've been a very, very bad defensive team. They've been in the top bottom five of the league uh, traditionally in defensive efficiency over the course of the last couple of years. Um, And then they kind of had fixed that at the beginning of the year. They're now eighth as it stands right now in defensive efficiency. But, that's by virtue of starting off so extremely strong, uh, but then faltering as of late. What do we yeah. make of it? They have the number one defense over that nine and one start, and since then they have the twenty sixth ranked defense. Uh, so not good. Uh, they've been quite bad on the end of the floor, and it's. I don't think it's any one particular player, or any one particular issue. Um, but it's been interesting watching Paul Millsap. Uh, I, I I think he's maybe declined a little bit more. Uh, than we would like to think. The last night against Giannis, granted it's Giannis, um, Giannis just destroyed him, like possession after possession, and, and, and like physically as well. And then there's this one possession where Giannis pump faked from three. Uh, and for whatever reason, Paul Millsap just jumped out of his shoes to contest a shot. And Giannis is a guy who's shooting like 10% from three. You let him take that shot at this point of the year. Um, Paul Millsap last night, and generally just hasn't been quite the same on the defensive end of the floor as he was earlier in the year or in the past. And then the offensive end, their offense is really good. Like even during the stretch, they still rank sixth in offensive rating um, uh, since they've, they've really started losing games. But they, over the course of the season, still haven't been that good in fourth quarters. Uh, their offense just seems to sputter late in games. I still, I, I think they need. I think we talked about this either last week on this podcast or Friday's corner three show. But I think they need a more traditional point guard. They need somebody to complement Nikola Jokic and Monte Morris has been really good off the bench for him. But it's, it's a shame that you can't combine uh, like a, with a fusion dance with Monte Morris and Jamal Murray. If you could fuse those two guys, you would have a great player. Um, but you can't do that. That's just a Dragon yeah, Ball Z thing. This. I said this all last year about them. I felt like so many games came down to just, hey, if you had somebody that could just set you up a play and run the offense, when it felt like so much of it was just equal opportunity, whoever gets the ball. 
at the end of games. And sometimes it was Gary Harris, and sometimes it was Will Barton, and sometimes it was Jamal Murray. Just somebody to settle him down. Run a play, run Harris off a screen, and get him a look. Um, but they have gone without their traditional point guard, and I think it is. I think it's bit them. I also think it's bit them uh, defensively. Like, if they just had, uh, you know, a real point guard, um, not that's not Monte Morris, right? Uh, yeah, because Morris, as good as he's been offensively, isn't a defensive player. Yes, just, they ain't the number one defense in the world. They ain't, they're probably not 26. They're probably somewhere in the middle. And you're dead on about Millsap because I saw him uh, not long ago. Jaron Jackson murdered him. He's just not the you same know, guy I mean, anymore. No, my friend, my friend uh, Chris Harrington um, said that it was like trains passing in the night. Right, Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Here's the future. Yeah. Here's the future of the NBA, and here's the past. And yeah, it 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 looks like there's a a real decline it, there. It, and it, you really saw 33, he, right? He's 33. And he's huh? gonna turn. He's 33, and he's gonna turn 34 this season. So like, he's been around for a really long time. He has been around for a long time. I mean, and the only way you're amazing at 33 is if your name's Marc Gasol. Hey, oh, best team in the West. <laughs> or LeBron James. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that too. LeBron's always forgot the exception, about, though. <laughs> I forgot about him. All right, uh, let's get to this Markel Fultz story. Okay. Holy mackerel. Mm. So this morning, it was reported that Raymond Brothers, who I actually know Raymond, because Raymond was... He has been the agent for many different players, uh, most significantly Victor Oladipo. He does not have Victor anymore, uh, but he was the agent for uh, for uh, Zach Randolph and Tony Allen. So I saw him all the time, and I know Raymond, and he has Markel Fultz, and I have not spoken to Raymond, but I don't know what the hell this is all about because Raymond has come out and said that Markel Fultz needs to see a shoulder specialist and that he's not going to practice or play games until the specialist has evaluated him. Holy mackerel. This is just, this is a disaster, Kev. Yeah, it's really a shame, right? I think we look back at last October when all this stuff first happened and and Raymond Brothers, you know, had that quote about Markel literally can't lift his shoulder over his head. And the conversation at the time kind of contrasted what the Philadelphia 76ers were saying about him. Then in December, I believe the Sixers announced that he had a scapular muscular imbalance. And then maybe two, three weeks later, or maybe about a month later, Markel Fultz had that on-camera interview with Karan Butler, who was also a Raymond Brothers client. And they revealed that it was actually scapular dyskinesis. I may be totally butchering how to pronounce that, but the point is it was a different injury. And they clarified what it actually was. And, and now it seems like to me that this is a an agent Markel Fultz's circle making the decision, not the team, that he needs to see a specialist. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks or so, I've been doing a lot of research about that scapular dekinesis injury. And I just wonder, I mean, could it be something else? You know, could it be something else that's either, maybe that was misdiagnosed, or maybe it's something that's related to that scapular dekinesis injury? Look into that, and sometimes there's always issues of nerves, Something like that. I, I just wonder, maybe there's more to this than what we've already thought about. Okay. All right. Uh, let me twofold. Number one, I don't think it's a coincidence. It comes right after they make the McConnell switch. All right. That happened last night. Um, and Brett Brown has said, you know, it's just going to be on a matchup basis. Right. So the kid has clearly kind of lost 
confidence and lost his spot, even though he's the number one pick. This is a play to make the story of Markel Fultz a physical story rather than a mental story. Because everybody in the free world Why is saying can't it be it's, both? it's in between his ears. And, and, you know, totally true. Maybe the physical has screwed up his head, right? And now he doesn't trust what he knows. But, I mean, you've already had the trainer, you know, basically leak the story mm. and say, I ain't working with that guy anymore. As soon as the, <laughs> the as soon, you know what I mean? The, the like, timing I mean, as soon on that as the, was interesting, right? He had that little Yeah, weird as soon as the throw. video comes <laughs> out of him looking wild yeah. as a buck on the free throw line, they, you know, they come back and they, uh, and, and Hanlon says, I ain't working with him. That relationship <laughs> ended a long time ago. Yeah. And now you have <laughs> Raymond this morning saying, he needs to go see a shoulder specialist to say, like, as to say, so here's what we know. Why is the agent saying that he, that this is a, a physical issue? I mean, the team is with him every day. They have doctors and they have trainers. If he has a shoulder problem, theoretically, they should know a hundred percent. They should know. And he should either be resting or he should be rehabbing or whatever else. And so unless you want to tell me that the Sixers are all screwed up in terms of their medical staff and that they're still rolling them out there, even though this guy actually needs some kind of procedure done on his shoulder, then I find this hard to believe. And I think it's a cover up for a kid that's just really struggling right now. I don't think it's a cover up or anything like that, Chris. I, I think for them, it's about finding out if there's a deeper issue. Right, like you want that clarity where Markel clearly has something going on, whether it's mental or whether it's physical or whether it's both. There's clearly something wrong when he takes the ball up and he's patting it between his hands in order to get a free throw off. There's clearly something wrong when he has that weird hitch. There's something wrong when the ball slips out of his hands, he says. There's something wrong, and you got to figure that out when you have a player with the talent and the potential of Markel Fultz, who just a year and a half ago was considered by almost everybody the no-brainer number one pick in the draft, where the Sixers were praised for trading up for him. Markel Fultz still has that talent inside of him, and we've seen some of the flashes over over this, over what has been like just such a weird, weird year and year and a year plus for him so far. So for Raymond Brothers and for Fultz and for everybody in his circle, you need to find out what's wrong, no matter how many doctors you get to see. I don't think it has anything to do with covering up his struggles. I think it has to do with finding out what's actually wrong. And it's really important you figure that out because he's still so young where even if it is some deeper issue, there's a lot of time for him to recover. There's a lot of time for him to turn into the player that the Sixers thought he can be, that Markel Fultz can be. You need to figure out what's actually wrong. Because right now... All I'm saying is it shouldn't take the agent if something is physically wrong. No, That's it, what I'm it saying. Can, it can take that, though. We just saw this with Kawhi Leonard last year. The Spurs and, and Kawhi Leonard's camp disagreed on how to treat his problem. It's very possible that the Sixers do know that there's a deeper issue and that they, they just have a different way of dealing with it. Maybe for them, they think it's something that he can play through and over time, whatever it is, it can heal. Maybe brothers and Fultz and their camp believe differently. I, we, don't, so. we, we don't know those details. All I know is that they're making a good choice to see if there's something deeper here. Because something's wrong. Clearly, there's something wrong, right? Would you, do we agree with that? Like, clearly, there's something wrong with Markel Fultz? I hope you're kidding. No, I'm serious. 
he's, he's batting around the yeah, ball on the free throw line. That, that's like, my point. It's an obvious answer. Of course there's something wrong. <laughs> so what are you going to do? you got to figure out what's wrong. It's the only way you can solve hey, a problem. I'm not an NBA player, and I don't yelp when I shoot. <sighs> yeah. I don't even know what he says. Yeah. I don't know. Something, something's wrong. I agree with you. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And so what do you have to do? You got to figure out the problem. Well, well, Raymond Brothers has taken it into his own hands and said that his player is not going to practice that's or play. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Like, and this is like real life stuff too. Like sometimes if you think there's something medically wrong with like your grandma and like doctors are telling you that there's, you know, oh, it's not a problem, but you know, there's something up. You should go see another doctor sometimes. Well, then that actually will obviously not fare well. That does not put Philly in a great light. I would say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can say maybe, but it could it's, just well, be. Listen, no, it, well, it's fair. It's fair. If it's I, my mean, grandma, I mean, they just, had, they just had a, a peanut allergy for Zaire Smith, and he dropped, according to John Gonzalez <laughs> in his article today, uh, according to citing sources, up to around 20 pounds. They've had issues with Joel Embiid and Joel Okafor. It wouldn't be the first time there was an issue uh-huh. on the medical side. No, fair is fair. But no, just to your analogy, if some, if a doctor, if I knew there was something wrong with my grandma and a doctor kept telling me no, I'd say the doctor's a damn idiot. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this feels like Raymond Brothers saying they're damn idiots. We'll find out. We'll find out who's right. And hopefully for Fultz's case, and especially for the fact that he was a number one pick and there's a lot of pressure on him, he's able to become whatever player he was going to become. Because I know a lot of people have already bailed on him. And and honestly, now that Jimmy Butler's there, shouldn't they got to worry Fultz. about it. You shouldn't bail on him. You shouldn't. He's too young to bail on him. Well. You shouldn't. All right. Well, listen, I've jumped off the boat. I'll try to climb back in. And when I try to climb back in, just step on my fingers. You, you can you can sell <laughs> you can sell some stock if you want to. You can sell some stock to, to if you're worried about having some losses, but I don't think you should totally give up on Mark Fultz. He just turned 20, man. He just turned 20 this year. So he, like I said, if there's a deeper issue, shoulder, nerve, you know, something on the mental side, it can be solved. There's a lot of time for him. Right. But I wouldn't give up completely. No. And he's got less pressure now after the Butler acquisition. They don't need Markel Fultz to be a great team. Yeah, send, him, send him away and get the problem solved. Yep. He is Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Uh, if you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Kev. Thank you, Chris. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Gobble. <laughs>